Good morning. Our scripture, my name is Amy Morgan, and our scripture reading for today comes from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 14. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love and bind them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've been rolling through uh, the New Testament uh, for a few months now, just pulling out some major themes in each book, so moving pretty quickly through them. Uh, Last week, Bob began the book of Colossians, and this week I end the book of Colossians, so we're moving fast. Uh, But before I get to the passage I want to talk about, I just want to remind you what came before this passage a little bit. In chapter 1 and then the beginning of chapter 2 in Colossians, Paul is reminding his readers that Christ is the center of everything. Christ is supreme. Everything uh, was created by him. He is the sustainer of life. Everything depends upon him. Salvation is only found in him. And life, true, true life, our ability to experience true humanity is only possible in and through him. He's the center. And then in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes this. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. It, it started in Christ. It, this new life 
was possible because of Christ, but it's not done. Continue to live your life in Him. Continue to live with Him, and, and that life will only be found in Him as your source. It says, continue to live your lives in Him, and then here's what that life looks like. It's a life that's rooted and built up in Him. This is a life that, to know this life and to continue to grow in this life, it is a life that is only possible because of relationship with Christ. There's no way to know this life apart from Him and to continue to know this life and grow in it apart from Him. Turn towards Him. Seek Him. Look for Him. Seek to know Him better because that's the only way to find this life and live this life. Then he says, it's a life that's strengthened in the faith as you were taught. This is a life that depends upon you growing in understanding and knowledge of God. It's a, it's a life that requires that you turn to God's word where he's revealed himself, that you, that you listen to the Holy Spirit in your life, that you turn to God in prayer, that you practice the spiritual disciplines, that you listen to other teachers and sit under, under other teachers and that you invest yourself in the life of the church where we help one another to grow and strengthen each other's faith. And then finally says, this is a life that's overflowing with thankfulness. As you come to know Christ, as you turn towards him, as you seek him and come to know him better, then respond. Be responsive to him as you see him and experience and know him. And respond in the way that's the most natural way to respond as you grow close to him in thankfulness, personally and corporately, worship. Um, express your thanks to him and your praise of him as you come to know him. Be responsive. So Paul, again, he's the center of everything. And continue to live that life that grows out of him. And that's a life that begins in right relationship with the right one, Christ. That's a, that's a life that requires right belief. You must learn and grow and be taught. And that's a relationship that requires a right heart. It's one that is responsive to Christ as you come to know him. That is a, a thankful life. Then Paul goes on in the rest of chapter 2 and he kind of expands upon all of this. And he, again, just drives home. You were made alive in Christ. Why in the world would you turn back to your old life? Why would you want to go back? Why would you want to look anywhere else for the source of life? Because you've been made alive in Christ. This is your new reality. This is true of you. You are a new creature in Christ. You have a new life. You've been born again. Everything is new. Don't turn back to where you were before. And he just drives it home. And then in chapter 3, Paul starts talking about, I think, what are some of the implications of all of this for our life now. For how we live this life every single day. This is all true. This is the foundation now. So what? How will that change your life today? And again, in verse 1, he drives home. Since then, you have now been raised with Christ, since you are new creatures in Christ and through Christ. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Make a choice to own that reality. Always be reminding yourself of that reality. Look Above, look to where Christ is, seated at the right hand of his Father. Look to him and remember and remember and remember and tell yourself again, this is reality. This is what's true. New Testament scholar Grant Osborne writes this, We're not simply awaiting Christ's return when we will receive our inheritance and enter our heavenly home. It's not, it started with Christ and now someday he's coming again and it'll all be wonderful. 
It's not just that. He says, we already have entered heaven spiritually and are already part of that new reality. Our physical environment is still earthly, but our hearts and minds are focused above, giving us an entirely new set of priorities. And I'd say giving us a new perspective on everything. He goes on later and writes, we must choose to make the heavenly dominant over the earthly. We have to make that choice. And I think that's what Paul is calling us to do. Make that choice. Make the heavenly. Make this reality that there is much more true beyond just what I physically can see and touch and hear. That that's reality too. Matter of fact, give priority to that. Because that is the reality that really matters most. I am a resident of earth. It is, you have to be pretty delusional to not get that part. You know, we know we're residents of earth. It's easy to figure that out. We can see it, touch it, uh, experience it in very physical ways. But I'm also a citizen of heaven, a citizen of the kingdom of God. That takes a little more effort to remember. That's not as easy to keep my eyes on and to, and to hold on to that truth in my mind. That I need help with. I need help of continually turning back to Christ to remember and, and being a part of a group of people that honestly keep turning us back to Christ and reminding us that we are citizens of his kingdom. And then in verse 3 and 4, he drives home why we should do this because we have died to this old world. We have died to this old life. We no longer belong to the earthly. We belong to Christ. He is at the center of everything and he's the source of life. And then he says, our life is hidden with Christ in God, and we will one day appear with him in glory. This new life that we have is hidden in Christ with God, which means it's very secure, it's very safe, it's going nowhere, right? We know this is a sure thing, this new life that we have, this new humanity that we are now experiencing. It's going nowhere. But it is in some ways hidden until Christ comes again and we fully experience it. Uh, these Colossians that he's writing to, this group of ex-pagans in this kind of third-rate country town. He's writing to them and telling them, you are new creatures in Christ. This is what's true of you. And, and I think he said, because, you know, when they got up the next day after putting their faith in Christ and coming to know him and became new creatures, they looked the same and the people around them looked the same and life looked the same and the town looked the same. Nothing seems to change. My eyes tell me everything's as it was. If I look at my own reflection, my eyes tell me everything's as it was. But Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is driving home to them. No, some things for now are hidden, but everything has changed. And that day is coming when you will appear with Christ in glory, when you will see everything as it's meant to be seen. You will fully experience that truth completely. In a new heaven, in a new earth, with new bodies, you will fully experience this new reality that is true now, that has begun now. So I want you to ask, I want to ask you guys to do something with me, uh, just in your imagination. I want you to imagine that uh, tomorrow morning you wake up and you reach over to the nightstand beside you. And when you put your hand on the nightstand, there's a pair of glasses there you've never seen before. And you reach over and you grab this pair of glasses and you look through them and you probably pull them away because it's, it's shocking. 
And suddenly you realize these, these glasses, they're, they're really unique. These are in some ways supernaturally empowered glasses that have now allowed me, when I put them on, to see clearly, to see from the perspective of God, to see this world, to see other creatures, to see other people in the way that God sees them. That when I put them on, I would see, and I think you'd probably rip them off pretty quickly, right? Because it would be overwhelming. To see and to know and to understand the way God does, it would, it would overwhelm. I don't think we could probably handle it in these earthly bodies. But let's imagine you could. Let's imagine for a day you could wear those glasses and you would see and know as God sees and knows other people and the rest of his creation. How would that then change the way that you would live? How would you act that day if you could see with that kind of clarity? Uh, Jesus gives us many times just little glimpses of how God knows us and understands us, how fully and completely and thoroughly he knows his creation. One of those places is in Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. He says there as he's telling people, as he's trying to tell them, you're, you're secure, you're safe. You don't have to fear and worry because this is how God knows you and sees you and his eyes are on you. And he says these words, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? So imagine that. You sit out on your porch and you watch birds fly by. Every single one of those birds, God knows everything about them, every detail about them. And not just in that moment he knows, it says he remembers God always knows. He's always aware. He never forgets every single little piece of his creation he knows. And then he goes on and says, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Most of you probably could care less of knowing how many hairs are on your head. It's probably not an important fact for you. And I I know where all your minds are going when you look at me, and that's not helpful. Uh, It's probably just not a number we all need to know. But what Christ is communicating is God knows you so completely and so thoroughly, every detail of your life, even these insignificant little details, God knows. God never forgets. God always remembers. That means God knows every wound that you've ever experienced, physical wound, emotional wound, relational wound. He knows them. God knows every victory you've experienced and cheered and every defeat that you've been, that you've mourned. God knows every time your heart jumped with joy and every time your head bowed and you slumped in sadness. God knows every time you sinned and God knows every step of growth. God knows the person you are and he knows the person that you long to be. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows the secrets that you hold on to that you would never tell anybody. He knows your future down to the most minute detail. God knows exactly how you've been designed, the unique gifts and abilities he's given you, and he knows exactly where your place is, where you best fit for his purposes in his church and in his kingdom. He knows all of that about you and so much more. Now imagine putting on those supernaturally empowered glasses for even just a few moments and looking around at the people around you. And seeing them with that kind of complete vision and knowledge, how would you then act? 
again, I think it'd be overwhelming because I think uh, we, we would just feel like we need to do something. We need to interact with everybody. We need to praise everybody. We need to help everybody and be responsive to them. It would just be overwhelming. It would be beyond us. But what we're seeing is actually what's true. It's what we don't see because we don't have that ability to see. It is what's true. It is beyond us. I think most of our relationships are are generally fairly transactional, right? Most people I interact with, I interact with based upon, you know, what will it cost me, this interaction with you? How will it benefit me? Um, You know, what do I like about you? What do I dislike about you? Uh, It kind of revolves around me. I'm the center of it. In a sense, you exist because of me. And outside of me, I kind of don't really realize you exist. I was just telling someone after first service, I was at Planet Fitness the other day working out, and I, this passage was on my mind, and I was looking around thinking to myself, and it was pretty packed. And I thought, how seldom I even realize people around me exist. How seldom they even, again, in my mind, in my experience, matter at all. They're just there. But... Imagine if you could see each one of them as God sees them and even get a a little taste of that kind of understanding of them. If you knew their story, if you knew who loves them and who has hurt them, if you knew who they could be in Christ as he redeems them and grows them, imagine how you would then want to respond to all of them. I think if you put those glasses on, you would look around and you would see people who don't know Christ And you would still see in them the mark of their creator. You would see something of the image of God in them. And it would still be amazing despite all the distortion and corruption that sin has brought. But especially imagine if you looked at other followers of Christ that are new creatures. The ones that C.S. Lewis says if we really could see them, we would probably be tempted to worship them. If we could really see who they are because of what Christ has done for them and in them. Imagine if you really saw them. Now imagine if you put these glasses on and you walk in front of a mirror and you put these glasses on and you look at yourself. Who would you see looking back at you? You know, the times that you look in the mirror and you, you see things that make you ashamed or remind you of your shame or you see things you don't like or you see things that you're kind of proud of. But even ourselves, we see in such shallow ways. We don't even know ourselves very well. Imagine if I could fully see myself and what has happened in me because of Christ. What I would see, Paul tells me, is someone who is chosen, 100% completely chosen. Somebody who is loved in a way that's beyond imagination. Someone who is holy, which means been set apart for God's good purposes. Someone who has a place in God's plan, that God has already prepared for me that place where I so specially fit. That's what I would see looking back at me. Imagine if you saw that way. I think it would be glorious and I think it'd be kind of terrifying to really see that way. And part of it would be because, again, it just would seem so beyond me, so much. Paul instructs us in Colossians under the influence of the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to live in congruence with this new reality that is hidden, 
It's hard to remember and hard to see. And, and if we're going to do that, he says, there's some things you have to put to death. They simply do not belong in this life, this new life as the new creatures you are. You've got to get rid of those. Those simply don't belong. These things are alien intruders. They should not be there. So just Friday, I, uh, we had, we're having some friends over for dinner, and I went out to clean off the deck before they came. And as I went out, I saw this big glob of spider webs in the corner of one window. And then right beside this big glob of spider webs, there was this fairly large spider. I mean, it was probably like silver dollar size spider sitting there just above the web. And I happened to have the blower in my hand that I hadn't turned on yet. And I was just going to kind of use that to smack it and see if I could squash it or knock it off and stomp on it. So I reached that blower, and I mean, I'm a good four feet, five feet away from this thing. And I reach out with that blower and kind of go to tap it. This thing leaps off the window, flies through the air, and it's coming at my face. I had no idea spiders could jump that far. It was coming towards my face, and I leaned back, and it landed right here. And it was a good-sized spider. And my reaction wasn't... I, again, I'm not particularly afraid of spiders or anything, but they don't belong right there. That's not a right spot for them. And I mean, I was, you know, and stomping all over it immediately. I was so glad my wife was not on the deck with me because of all the times I've made fun of her for her fear of spiders. She would, I would be hearing about that spider for the rest of my life, you know, if she had seen my reac- reaction to that thing. It was an alien intruder. It did not belong, especially this super-powered flying attack spider. It did not belong on my body. It needed off of me immediately, right? I think that's what Paul is saying, that if we really saw who we are and we saw who others are as, as new creatures in Jesus Christ, we would say some things just don't belong. They are, they are just, it's just so wrong that they are part of this. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He says these things that just treat people like objects and use them, these things that that take from them what they would not give, would not choose to give me, but I just take them anyways. These things, they're just, they don't belong on these new creatures and part of this new life. They simply don't belong. He says, and these things are like idolatry. He said, these things that say, my desires, uh, they are the thing that make all my decisions for me. They are the authority in my life that guide me. I bow to these desires as if they are my God. No, you're not the center of everything. Your desires aren't the center of everything. Remember this new life. Christ is at the center. He is supreme. He is the source of this life that is this remarkable life that you've now been given. Don't live as if you're at the center or your desires are at the center of it. Choose a different life. Rid yourself of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language, lying to each other. All ugly ways of demanding my way, again, as if I'm at the center of everything and if I want it or need it or think it's right, it has to happen. You're not at the center. Don't live life that way. N.T. Wright says these are behaviors that are characteristic of distorted humanity, he calls it. He says, being itself out of shape, this distorted humanity tends to twist everything else, people by manipulation or anger, facts by lying, 
to make them fit in with its own distortions. When we live in this distorted humanity, we somehow think, because we're the center, everything else needs to be distorted to fit us. No, you have a new life. You're not at the center, and this life is built on Christ. He is at the center of everything. Live accordingly. Instead, Paul calls them to live in a way that, again, owns their true identity, this one that in some way hidden, but is absolutely true, this fully alive, true humanity, live out of it. He says in verse 10, this new self is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. This new being that we are is being, it didn't just happen that day, it's being renewed every day. We are continuing to grow until that day that Christ returns and everything is as it should be, complete. Join him in that. And he says the way we join them is there are certain things that we put on. We are. Now join him because we are becoming. We are. This is true of us. We are citizens of God's kingdom and become citizens of God's kingdom. Join him in this thing that's continuing. He says in verse 11 that, you know, if, if we really got this, if we put on these glasses and I look at other people and I saw these people who have Christ in them, these people, Christ's presence, this reality of Christ in them, this new life that is theirs because of Christ is so remarkable. And if I saw it in me, I would go, everything else kind of slides to the side, right? I mean, that is the common ground that screams at us. That is the connection that's everything. It's huge. We, we share this. How can anything else matter that much? Race, ethnicity, religious heritage, all those things that don't disappear, they simply become things that, that kind of add to this wonderful connection we have. They don't threaten. The differences don't threaten us because the sameness, the common ground is so huge. Everything else is insignificant in a sense compared to that. If only we could see that way and see who we truly are. And what Paul tells us again, we would see in verse 12, if we saw each other that way, we would see God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. It would change everything. So then he says, there's things to take off, things to get rid of. They simply don't fit. But he also tells us, because again, this is hidden, because it's hard for us to see in others, there are things you should put on. They don't create this reality. They simply put this reality on display where we can see it and others can see it. And here are the things that you put on that display this new true reality, this new life you have in Christ. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be people who are quick to forgive one another. Put those things on because they put on display what is true, what we can't easily see, but now we can see. Those things that Christ put on display for us so we could see true humanity. Put them on yourself. Clothe yourself with them. So on display will be Christ in us. Uh, I wish I had one of those heads-up displays like fighter pilots have, you know, where the data just kind of pops up in their, in their range of vision and they just see things. I wish as I walked through my day I had one of those and these things would just kind of keep going across in front of my vision, you know. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. I wish those things were just running past me all the time. 
Because every time I put on those clothes and I display that new reality, man, seconds later, I'm putting something on over top of it that just doesn't belong again. I wish that I would be reminded again and again and again, no, this is what's true. Own it and let others see it. This is what's true because of Christ. So here's the problem. I, I can't pick up a pair of glasses and see that way, right? I w- if I could, that'd be remarkable. I can't do that. Instead, I have to turn to Christ again and again in the ways that he reveals himself to us. And he reveals who we are to us and who others are. I have to turn to him again and again and trust him, what he reveals to me as being true. And I think our vision will only become clear as we set our minds on things above. And as we continue to live our lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray. Lord, I think if, if we did nothing but just every day started our day with and ended our day with just being thankful, looking at our lives, the lives of people around us, the ways we've experienced your presence, uh, the things that we see in your creation that point back to you. Imagine if we just did that. It would change our lives. Uh, Lord, we would live differently. But we confess that many times we live our life as if the things we see and touch and feel and smell are the only things that are real. Lord, I pray that uh, your spirit would open our eyes and open our hearts and open our minds to fully see reality, that reality that is only true because of you. In your blessed name, amen.